Hello, hello. Thank you for joining us for Married at First Sight, Season 16, Episode 14. Overall thoughts on the episode. I feel like it just highlighted and cemented where these couples are in their relationship. I think you're correct. In previous recordings, I always mention some episodes don't give you a lot, but even if they don't, you still get to see more insight into the stage of the relationship. And I think this one especially just, how do I explain it? It's it's almost in a concrete manner is telling me this is going to be the state of these relationships. Completely agree. Like until decision day, we can have decision day right now. And I would tell you who would say yes and no. It is not a big secret or surprise. I don't see anything being very groundbreaking on decision day. For example, any couple you think is not going to make it or excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to make it. They're not going to make this amazing uh, uh, 180. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Also, one one thing to note, they're just about this. They're just at about the six week mark. And we're talking to the sex and relationship experts. If these couples have not been working for six weeks, what makes you think in two weeks they're going to go from we are doing nothing right now to this is going to be my partner for the rest of my life? It's quite a jump. I just don't see it happening. There, there's no way. And also, we're going to get into it, but there's one individual who, once again, I have not wavered. I have been the judge of this individual from day one. I saw through them. I did have to admit while we were watching, you were right from the beginning. I mean, from the jump, you were not on board with this person. So I have to give props where props are due. And we continue to see it this episode. But as usual, that will probably be our longest segment. So let's start off with the couple doing pretty well, Chris and Nicole. I think the only way they don't work is if we all collectively are surprised. Like, I think Chris would have to say no on decision day. That's the only way is that this, this will not work. Agreed. But there's no way he would do that. Oh, it's a yes for me on both for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. In a very random scene, we see Chris and Nicole installing a bidet. Love a bidet. We are bidet people. We have been converted as of last Christmas. We got bidets from two separate people. Two bidets. We we were converted when we went to Japan. That's correct. When we went to Japan, they are everywhere. That is the standard, period, point blank. Yeah. When When we got them for the holidays, I was like, what does this say about us? That two separate people got us bidets. I think it's because we kept mentioning how cool they were. I think so. And they have bidets. They do have bidets. Yeah. They both have bidets. That's weird. Isn't that weird? They want to share the great experience that they had. Didn't we use a bidet before any of them? Yes, but they were the first to buy one. (laughs) COVID when toilet paper was not around, that's what Mm. made them get the bidets. And then they were immediately sold. If you've never tried a bidet, they are incredible. Like you cannot go back. No, like, when I travel for work and I'm staying at a hotel, I'm like, this is not okay. I am in the past. The closest you can get is like a wipe, but a little, it's a little it's, wet wipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is great. We are never going back to toilet paper. But it's like, how are you wiping with dry? <laughs> I don't know. 
like even when you clean, how did we live even this when way? you like clean a spill on the like you like spray some cleaner and then you wipe it i don't know we don't need to get in that much detail <laughs> right right but yes bidets are awesome it was really cool scene i thought okay i thought this would be this actually this scenario is one of those relationship building moments and i'm glad it it looked like it went fairly pleasant it could go the other way like it, it has with us many times for me it has, no, it's always you, and then I'm mad about you being upset. For sure. <laughs> but this is a new new build. Everything's nice and tight. It doesn't take much. You got a bidet. You know, one of my really high advice I like to give when you're thinking of taking the next step with your partner, we always say travel together because it could always be a cluster and the person could be just awful under pressure. The same goes for my next challenge you also need to be able to put ikea furniture together that is another one that almost took us out <laughs> it was a lot i can't do a lot of things but i can put ikea furniture together uh, sometimes you get frustrated no I, I can put it together okay the barbecue almost took you out while i was doing the end tables the barbecue yes really yes you don't remember that us sitting in like the first night of the apartment we have no furniture just boxes everywhere the barbecue. Yeah. I do not remember that. The legs, like, I don't were not. That at all. <laughs> huh. So travel with your partner, put Ikea furniture together, make it through Ikea together. So you say that you liked seeing them do this together, like team building. The first thing I thought of was almost opposite of that because they mentioned how like, oh, we don't want to do things separate. I was like, wow, they're going to be as codependent as we are. <laughs> I did not expect. Okay, I get it. We saw the bidet being installed. Great. Did you expect that you were going to witness folks using a bidet? Not at all. Like, were they told to sell film? Did they just think this was really good footage? There's two ways to look at this. One, it was nice, wholesome, funny content. It, it was, was funny to see Chris's reaction. He's never used a bidet. <laughs> it was funny. And Honestly, all of you out there who've never used one when you first use one, that's probably going to be your reaction. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things, we're watching a Married at First Sight <laughs> show and two people are installing and using a bidet. Is that really the content we need? Not what we need, but it's all we have. Like It's not even what we want. No, no, not at all. I don't need to talk about a bidet and my experience with a bidet on this podcast about love. <laughs> like I don't. But here we are. Also, I'd like to point out that we have so many episodes left and they already shortened each episode by half an hour and we're still getting weird content like this. Like they have nothing. You said there's six to six to eight ish episodes. Something, yeah, I something think like that. They said it was going to be about 22 episodes. And so the, that's all going to cover two weeks. That's weird. Okay, I always say Maths is one of the worst shows as far as editing. There's always one person in a shot. Reactions are super cut. It's never a camera shot with two people in the frame. So you never know if the question and response are even related. Did things even happen on the same day? So they are going to create storylines. They're going to will this to many more episodes. This is what we call filler. Now, I don't mind filler as long as i'm entertained yeah i want to be entertained if it's filler and it's not entertaining now you're just wasting our times 
So Chris and Nicole meet with Dr. Pia. They're talking about the foundation they have built, the trust and communication. Then we move on to the conversation revolving around sex and intimacy. Nicole and Chris talk about their past relationships and how previous partners weren't maybe the greatest at providing support and intimacy together. Nicole talks about how she had what she would call hate sex in the past so that she could feel wanted by that person. So many of Nicole's like first time revelations are so sad to watch. No one should have to feel that way or feel like they have to do an act to feel wanted. Out of everyone on this season, I feel like Nicole has really led us into her past the most. Yeah. Not necessarily. I mean, you know, I don't want that for her because it seems like these are very sort of sad moments or um, moments where she thought less of herself. Mm -hmm. Even the conversation about sex where it was almost you you're you're having sex with someone and she didn't really say it but inevitably i kind of read it as i don't like this person but yeah, i want to like feel the way he treats her right but like i want to feel wanted and i was like that it's kind of breaking my heart and i'm in the yeah. couch i'm like wow i i feel for you in that moment i wish she didn't have to go through any of this but it's nice to see her have these revelations see how it connects to her now how it's maybe made her have some of the habits she has now. But hopefully in her identifying this and being so open, she can also get more help and move on from that. Yeah, I guess the only thing I see is I hope as these, it seems like these moments or sort of this, you know, giving us more information, I hope it doesn't push Chris away. Yeah. You know, I hope he sort of is, and it seems like he is, he's there as like a, uh, support and, and to give her a safe space. Later in the episode, they receive an intimacy chest, a treasure chest of intimacy items. I would like to point out that no other couple received anything remotely as large or as detailed as they did. Very elaborate. Very. And it was so overwhelming. Like this chest was huge and detailed and ornate. I don't know if it was necessary, but really, we we put the budget in Chris and Nicole this episode. I think showrunners are saying, we need you to make it. It has to be a yes. We need someone to make it. We can't go 0 for 5. Again. <laughs> Chris and Nicole go through the items. They're both not feeling the whip. Immediately just said both no. Both not feeling the whip. That's, that. Mm, maybe there's a... I think it's just too much. Too much right now. Mm, gotcha. Mm. After they go through all the items, they sit on the couch and kind of reflect on exploring more what they may like to do. Chris says that he cares more about her being pleased than him. And Nicole says something very intense that I feel like either didn't register with Chris or he just didn't want to touch it too much. Nicole said, if today was decision day, I would say yes right now with the sex we are currently having, even if that was the sex that we would have for the rest of our lives. It was mentioned just in such a seamless way, but it was such a big signal to Chris. Yeah. Like I am saying yes on decision day. If if right now is good is as good as it's going to get, this is a yes for me. It's a big deal. 
Moving on to people that are not going to say yes on decision day, Clint and Gina. You know, Gina's rude as hell. Like, honestly, she always just says things with a giggle and they're not nice. Are there individuals still on team Gina? I don't know. They don't. Okay, because everyone's checked out on them. No one really talks about them that much. We already know this is going to be nothing. There was probably an agreement between them. Gina's character. (laughs) Not who she is, just who she's playing. (laughs) Well, no, no. I mean, her personality, like the way she handles these situations, it's not a good look. No. And there is such little effort. And they, they, they try to mention as... Like, oh, we're still here. We're still in it. I'm like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. The, the effort is so low. You might as well not be here. Yeah, it's nothing. It would make no difference if you were on this show or not. So the kind of the theme throughout this episode is obviously sex, intimacy, everything revolving that. And that's a theme every single episode because it is very important in marriage. Not necessarily sex alone, but intimacy, connection, trust. Gina cannot talk about sex. And it, I always go back to like, why did these people join the show? If you weren't willing to work through your problems, if you can't even talk about intimacy, these are all things that have been on all previous seasons. You knew it was coming. Why are you here? You gave up after the first argument and you're not going to move past it so much so that it was brought up again this episode. Can we be done with it? Just move on. This is why this marriage isn't going to work because we cannot move on. Tell me you're still not over something without telling me, but you just fucking told me. Yep. There's no recovery. It's sad that we saw that so soon and and I'm not alone. I think everyone kind of felt this way. You saw that exchange so soon and you could tell there's no way they're coming back. Exactly. There's no way. With how the reaction happened and the excuses given on both sides, I mean, it was not going to come back. So we see Clint and Gina meet with Dr. Pia and just like all the other couples, they start off with saying, yeah, we're good. Everything's good. And then you have to like get into the nitty gritty. I do enjoy that Dr. Pia in every situation didn't take their word at face value. Exactly. You got to you got to get to um, the crusty bits. Clint says their communication is excellent and that they're getting along really well. Gina says things are going really well, but we don't feel married. Clint brings up the physical barrier. Gina says there's no draw to kiss, hold hands, anything physical. They both agree that they never talk about attraction and that they both have sexual desires outside of each other's. They are both filling those desires on their own. I think both of them are very shallow. I think they... They take physical appearance or they put so much weight on it. They won't even let love grow with someone that is possibly good for them. Like the fact that I am not attracted to this person. Mind you, those words were said and they were kind of both offended each other. That's a bummer. But I think even if that wasn't said, the fact that there wasn't physical um, chemistry there, I don't think... Honestly, if we just lived in a world where they did not exchange those initial words to each other, I don't think much. It wouldn't be too different. They would oh, st- they okay. would just be friends. They they wouldn't have that connection. I guess there really wasn't too much of a connection anyway. 
Did you notice how many times Gina Loki interrupted Dr. Pia? I didn't like that. The whole energy of this was Gina wasn't going to listen regardless of what was said. I will say Clint takes his jabs, but they're a little bit more, a little bit more smooth. They are. The transitions are better. Right. Dr. Pia might ask something like, are you being sexually satisfied or whatever? And then Clint's like, no, like, you know, he'll just say no, but he's, but not sort of at Gina, but Gina will just directly say something like, oh yeah, he's not attractive or I'm not into him or he's got no swag. Dr. P.S. brings up that they need to water their desires. Gina interrupts her and says, but we are watering it. You're clearly not. You just said there's absolutely no desire to kiss, hold hands, do anything, talk about intimacy. Gina, calm down. It's not a personal attack. Gina is trying to shut Dr. Pia down as quickly as possible. The woman who does this for a living. Okay. You know what's fascinating? I think we saw this in the last expert talk, but... These individuals who can't, you know, can't make a marriage happen on their own or that just hasn't happened in their life, get advice from experts and then decide not to take their advice. Or just straight tell them they're wrong. Good luck. Let me know how that works out for you. Exactly. It's like it hasn't worked so far and you've always done the same thing. So maybe switch it up a bit. Dr. Pia asks, how do you expect the marriage to last? And Gina says, maybe I don't. Dude, just say today is your decision day. Like, you're killing me. You're dragging me along. Just, she says later on, like, oh, we're both not quitters. You should quit here. You, that is a very good skill to have. Know when to walk away. You need to know when to throw in the towel. Very early on in this conversation, when they mentioned that, I think I I talked to you. I'm like, why are we fucking here? Like, just end this already. Dr. Pia proceeds to ask Clint the same question and Gina interrupts again to say he feels the same way. She shut that shit down real fast. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Pia. We find out that Clint is a scent guy. He's very attracted to sexy scents. Gina agrees. She loves smell and music. So you could think like shared interest shared attraction but absolutely not like it won't matter here i'm always interested when you're in these sit downs with an expert and there's cameras going production i'm always curious if if folks are nervous i would be nervous answering these questions is it the first thing that comes to mind or is it really your are you answering honestly you're definitely not answering honestly i mean we saw multiple examples this week of People saying what they like, how they want to come off correctly or saying what they think is the right thing. Gina also points out that she likes swag in addition to smells and music. Dr. Pia asks, do you think Clint has swag? She says, no, I don't think he has swag. Just say you don't find him attractive. You don't like him. His gingery features. Just end it. Clint says that he has been qualified as the king of swag, senior swag, if you will. Clint does his best to make light of a situation. I I like his character is growing on me. Same. Because just the way he tries to handle things. I can see how he, he does try to put a positive spin on things. And even in the way he's trying to recover from this moment of being called or told he has no swag. Being told he's whack. Yeah. And just 
I don't know. He's reacting well. He's dealing with the little punches. It's lame, but he's dealing with it well. The interesting part here is that Clint doesn't turn this on Gina. Like, he doesn't start poking and prodding. He's way better than I would be. You see what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Because the first thing that comes to mind is I'm giving it right back. And he's much better than I. After talking with Dr. Pia, Clint and Gina are sitting on the couch drinking wine and going over what they talked about. Clint says, I can't believe you think I don't have swag. I can dial it up a bit. Clint explains that Gina was quick with that answer. Gina responds with, well, was it worse than what you said on the honeymoon? Girl, get over it. Ellie, I need you to be prepared for something. What? Be prepared for decision day. Because we're going to talk about this moment again. I bet it's going to be the talk of the entire episode and how they just could not overcome it. And I'm just trying to tell you to prepare yourself for that moment because it's coming. I'll be waiting for it. Did she expect her husband to never hurt her feelings ever about anything in her whole life? I just think when you go into this moment, it is part of it is the fantasy of this will be my dream person they are going to be perfect everything i envision they don't envision this person's immediately gonna say "Eh, i'm not really attracted to you but being married at first sight is not a typical thing it's not even in a perfect air quotey fingers marriage there's always faults people get their feelings hurt just like in anything i mean think of a non-romantic relationships relationships with people your friends and the community feelings get hurt. I think the rub there is just in other marriages or relationships. There is, you would have known the person you would have seen them. You would have developed something with them. Even if it wasn't physical at first, they don't have that. So it's almost like, this is what I can immediately judge you on. I don't know anything else about you yet. True. So there's no really backup of, You really know this person or they said it wrong or didn't mean it. Or even just reading people like maybe that's a way someone conversates. But at the very beginning of these married at first sight relationships, like you just took it in a really bad way. And Gina still has not had to apologize or acknowledge that she did anything wrong at all. But we still have to talk about this incident. You guys were both jerks to each other. Just you're even. That's it. Gina talks about Clint needing a swagged out haircut and he should absolutely not trust her with his hair. That's the first thing I thought of now. She's probably not going to mess it up, maybe, but we cannot risk it. This was a perfect setup to get us right back into the salon. It was perfect. We're one step out of the salon by still talking about hair, haircuts. So they're foreshadowing it. You think we're going to see Clint at the salon getting a cut? Probably. Probably. Now, you had a theory. Hmm. This is actually an alternate way to break Clint down. (laughs) So you can tell that he really enjoys his hair, the length, whatever. And if you sort of trim it away, you're sort of, you know, trimming him down, you know, knocking him down a peg. Yeah. Gina and Clint are then in the kitchen answering intimacy questions. They talk about safe words. But what was really interesting here was the talk about sending nudes. They both agree that they're fine with it. They both do it in serious, committed relationships. But Clint does want to clarify that he puts effort into his nudes. 
It is not a quick shot. We're giving you a lot of area. What do you what do you mean by a quick shot? We're not only taking a picture of one area, one thing. One small thing. Oh, wow. Oh my god. <laughs> it's it's an art. He's being drawn like a French woman. So that's why I imagined <laughs> how he takes his photos. He's like, I'm on the couch. I'm lounging. Yeah. It's a scene. It is a scene. There's like lighting <laughs> no. set up. Obviously, I'm on the sailboat. Oh, you're right. You're welcome, everybody listening in. <laughs> they move on to positions. Gina does not want to answer, will not answer. And they get a knock at the door, which is perfect timing. You know what's odd? Hmm. Gina mentions in the conversation with Dr. P as, if I don't feel this sexual attraction or I just don't want to do that with this person, mm-hmm. like I'm not inclined to sort of perform actions like lighting some candles or whatever, you know, to, to make sex happen. Like I, yeah. I'm not going to do that because I don't, essentially I don't want to, mm-hmm. but okay. We're, we live in this adult world and at this moment in time, you and Clint are just friends. You're just friends. You're yeah. hanging out. You're in the same apartment. And after you've been hanging out with someone for this amount, now mind you, for this amount of time, I know it's only six weeks, but it's you're kind of intimately living with someone. It's not a big apartment. Nah, like, two separate like, rooms. Like, they probably well, never hang out. Your dog is in their room. Oh, that's the breakup I'm not looking forward to. Right. But this is what I'm getting at. And I get it. You're on TV. But the fact that you can't talk about we're not even getting deep into your like sexual desires. I just think there's no harm in just going through the exercise. Exactly. And that goes right back to what I was saying of this is a part of every single season and you volunteered for this season. Clint and Gina get a tiny intimacy basket because we don't need to waste the money on that. This is going nowhere. What did you think about the items? They were fine. I understand why they got them because there's literally no physical touch. So we're going to try to make you touch in any way. That's what I noticed. All of their options were with a device. So you Mm -hmm. weren't giving someone this intimate massage. It was always an object like a feather. Yeah. This back roller thing, a, a brush. But you're never using your hand. No. Nothing gets you in the mood like someone staring right into your eyes going, does that feel good? I was like, this is so not cute or intimate or sexy. But even, <laughs> even the the body language, you're not really engaged in the exercise. No. If you notice, they're each holding like their glass of wine. I'll use Gina for an example. And the that little orange hand massager, I think it was. Mm-hmm. She was like... Super casually sitting on the couch, not even really facing him, holding her glass of wine in one hand and just like rubbing it against his arm versus like you could have like, let's say a more intimate option would have been like putting your wine glass down, holding his arm. Maybe facing each other. Face That would be nice. And then, you know, like just being gentle with it. But I say that, but that's not what this is for them. This mm-hmm. is we're just getting through this as fast as we can. Like you might as well had your cell phone in the other hand and yeah. you're just like checking your Instagram. <laughs> like you're not, you're not. There was nothing a part of here. Mm-hmm. Let's say it was a little more intimate. They both agreed they liked it. They liked the various things. Gina liked the feathers. Let's say that 
This did create a tiny bit of intimacy, a moment, a spark, if you will. What if Clint leaned in for a kiss right now? Absolutely not. She would deny it? Absolutely. Oh, okay. I was the, the hand is coming up quick. It's pumping the brakes. No. I'm going to my room. It's not going to happen. Somewhere where it is also not happening, Eris and Jasmine. Yeah, it's sad. It's super sad. It's sad. Because every single week we see this woman's heartbreak more and more. And not because she's like in love with this guy. It's just like torture being having to watch like her want something, something that she should be able to have in a marriage. Just someone being like attracted to you and flirty with you and just these really basic things and him not be able to give anything. Yeah, I think this episode out of everything we've seen really shows Jasmine's sort of not walls, but like like the dream is is crumbling right that finish line is you can see it it's Mm -hmm. almost here and it's not going the way you expected and if i'm being honest if i'm being honest i don't think eris gives a shit no i don't think so either he's like yeah it's like i'm done i'm just here to do the thing and i'm like nothing's gonna happen here he says the right things he quote your fingers opens up but even jasmine touches on it this episode Sure, there's, he says things, but there's no action. Like, nothing improves. Oh, my gosh. I have the perfect sports reference for Eris. Okay. He is Ben Simmons. Oh, no. <laughs> he is Ben Simmons right now. Oh, just calling it out. Just... He, he can't. He's got a mental block, and he can't move past it. Yeah. Eris is Ben Simmons. Jasmine says she's not getting her needs met and that she was friend zoned on the honeymoon. She says, I'm not trying to be a friend. I'm trying to be a wife. In this scene, I don't know if Jasmine came at this with a plan, but she definitely, it started developing quickly in this conversation. I'm really glad that she utilized this time with a professional because they're getting a professional once every two, three weeks only. They are on their own out here. So I'm glad that she just put it out there. I'm friend zoned. I'm not getting anything I want. I'm not getting my needs met. Good. Dr. Pia asks, don't you want to touch her? Eris says yes, but the longer they go without it, the more awkward it is. He says this is a big issue that we need to get around. He completely controls this issue. He doesn't want to get around it. Eris says they talk, but they're not very like moving or intimate conversations. Jasmine says that she doesn't feel like she's holding back. And Eris brings up the point that they sat on the couch for two hours. He was talking to her, asking very like first question dates, and she wasn't really opening up or revealing anything. We talked about this in the last episode where it seemed like Jasmine was starting to check out and we weren't knocking her for it. Mm. Oh, not at all. And in this moment, Eris is sort of trying to turn it on her. Like, you don't open up. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm trying. No, dude, you fucked this up from the beginning. Yeah. When she was trying, you weren't you were doing anything. Mm-hmm. I feel like Jasmine was doing everything. And she, then she was. And then she, she fed this man fruit in a tub. No, that was like second day. She fed you her lobster. <laughs> oh, you're right. Now, after she realized that you weren't feeling this, she started pulling back and in some ways starting to check out. I'm still not knocking her for it. No, I won't. 
Dr. Pia brings up the topic of being agreeable. And Eris does agree. She, he thinks that Jasmine is just saying what he wants to hear to prevent any arguments. She wants to keep the peace, essentially. The conversation takes an interesting turn, seemingly out of nowhere, when Eris says that he loves when Jasmine challenges him and takes charge. So essentially saying he is the submissive one. He wants her to take the lead, put him in his place. It's just odd because everything we've seen of Eris, that doesn't seem to be who he is. Not at all. Jasmine says she can try, but why Like, why are we revolving everything about this around Eris's needs and wants? What about Jasmine? She just wants to like have a conversation and snuggle with this guy. But no, now she has to try to be dominant and challenge him because that's going to turn him on. What does he have to do? Is this the one conversation... Or tips you didn't enjoy from Dr. Pia? No, I didn't like that because, I mean, we always say it, but we have to talk about what we see. There's could be editing. They could have had a two-hour session and a ton of time was spent on Eris. But I hate that Jasmine has to say, like, yes, I'll try it. I will still, I'm still here. Like, I'll do this. No, I mean, you're not wrong because you are, you are forming this opinion based on what we are viewing. Exactly. So I can't assume that other things happened. In my notes, I wrote... Okay, so Eris says that Jasmine's just being agreeable, but he also doesn't say what he wants, what he needs, and now all of a sudden he wants to be put in his place. Okay. It's weird. In the preview, they kind of make it seem like they, they make a turn, but they don't. No. They don't. He, he's not into Jasmine, and he's decided early on it wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Now, he might be, you know, he might be doing his thing, trying to be a good friend, opening up a little bit, but... Not in a way of this is going to be my wife for my rest of my life. No, it's not, not even close. Jasmine and Eris are cooking together. It looked like one of those like Hello Fresh meal kits. And we find out that he actually talked to Jasmine's sister. Now, I do love when spouses talk to the family. You kind of connect, get involved. But I don't like that Eris is always talking to her family and then doing nothing with that information. No improvement, nothing. Why are you putting on this show? I love that her sister was direct. There was no sugarcoating it. She said exactly what she needed to say. She said it nicely. It was a good conversation, which I'm sure he took nothing from. There's a great scene. I don't know if you took a photo, but it was Eris on the phone with Jasmine's sister. He's not really rolling his eyes, but he's sort of looking up and away. And it's just the perfect shot of someone who is definitely not interested in what you're saying. Definitely taking no notes. Then we find out kind of a bombshell. Oh, this is huge. This man threw himself under the bus. And Pastor Cal. Oh, and Pastor Cal. You no. could have taken this to your grave. There was no reason to say this. If you want to create an even bigger divide, this is exactly how you do it. Eris talks about how Pastor Cal told him to make his wife feel safe and comfortable. That it would save him in the long run, even if he wasn't feeling it. Eris says that he was trying to be a husband and calm his wife down. So I assume coming down the aisle, that was the clapping, make her feel secure, make her feel wanted. So now we know that clapping was fake. 
Yes. And we always referenced it of why would you do that? Why? Why the change of heart? Oh, because it was fake. Okay. Did you notice the tone of voice change in Jasmine when she calls him out? Absolutely. She said, so you're just going to calm your wife down and lie to her? Literally right before the vows. It was a lie. I like how Eris tries to recover and then Jasmine doubles down by saying the the verse again. Incredible. He has nothing to say. Incredible. He was like basically like, oh, I was just following directions. It was honestly kind of weird to me that they kept cooking because I, if I was in Jasmine's situation, I'd be like, I can't. I'm not fucking doing We're not this. hanging like, out. I'm going to go lay down in the bed and just chill on my phone or something. <laughs> like I need to walk away from this. Jasmine is finally kind of coming to. She says, Eris may have one big toe in, but the rest of him is out the door. He's going back to the streets. 100%. 100%. No lies detected. Jasmine's on point right now. Lies were definitely detected in this segment with Shaq and Kirsten. The first scene we see with them is them FaceTiming with each other. Shaq is on a recruiting trip in Memphis and Kirsten is at home. I was curious why she was home. Maybe she had a big open house that weekend. You know, not a big deal. Mm, We'll get to that later. At this point in time, I don't even mind that she didn't join them. Like, you don't join me in all of my trips. Not that I expect you to because, like, some locations might not be that exotic. Like, they just aren't that cool. I would still go. If you invited me and you said, I want you there, I would go. It doesn't matter the location. True. We've been to some very little places and places I never thought I would visit. I guess in my mind, it's not an expectation that you have to go to every single work trip. No, but if you have eight weeks together and you... Oh, 100%. 100%. Your person is saying, I want you there. I think we should start this off by being real supportive. I get it. I'm walking it back a little bit for their situation. Us, obviously, it's way different. We've been together forever. But at this point in time, I wasn't bothered that she wasn't at the trip. We'll get into it later, but did you change your mind? Yes. Good. <laughs> it's just, again, it's, it's just too clear, too much evidence. I won't be bamboozled. Keeping up with her absolute facade, Kristen says that she wishes she could be there right now and that she misses him so much. She really wishes she could be there to support him. Is Shaq is completely emotionless, absolutely monotone. There is nothing on this man's face. He is just straight disappointed and disinterested. And I thought, that's a weird response, but not now. <laughs> Watching this, it was odd because it's like, why does he look so mad? Like he's he's just on a work trip and they're they're on like a little little Zoom chat. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. It was incredible. But what we know now, what we know now, she has her selling voice on, you know, a little higher pitched going over, you know, can't wait for him to come home. At the end of the conversation, she blows him a kiss goodbye and he hangs up on her. (laughs) And I was like, wow, that's kind of rude. Again, what we know now, she calls him directly back and says, you didn't blow me a kiss. So he just looks like here (laughs) and hangs up again. It's funny because. On the second call, it's not like Shaq blew a kiss back. I don't think he did. Yeah. (laughs) He's just like, okay, bye. Then we meet with Dr. Pia and this facade continues. 
It was wild it was to see. This it woman is so lying bad. to it was her so face. Bad. Yeah. Kristen said things have been going great. The quality time has definitely helped and is what she has needed. Everything is going very well. In complete contrast, Shaq says, it's definitely been rocky. In response, Kirsten says, we've had our days. You know, Dr. Pia, the expert, the alarms. You know, when you sit down with two couples and it's two completely different answers, yeah. immediately the uh, alarms analyzing. Like, oh no, oh no, what's going on? What's going on here? <laughs> For the rest of this section, Kirsten just like word vomits. Like whatever is going to sound kind of good to get Dr. P off her back. Like some of the things she said were real out of left field. Your girl was sweating. She, oh, by the time we moved on to Shaq, you know what's funny? She's glistening. In this scene, he just lets her go. That's the best way to do it. He's just letting her spew it out. Guys, always let people just dig their own hole. It's, yeah, it's the best thing you can do. Then we move on to the topic of control. Kirsten does admit she does always like to have control. Dr. Pia asks, Do you feel comfortable allowing your husband to take care of you? Kirsten says, yes, it's just all new. Dr. Pia asks, what attracts you to one another? Kirsten immediately looks at the ground and says, I find him attractive when he's like, for example, moving boxes, using his muscles, making sure things are taken care of. When she answers this, I can't get a sense of honesty there. Yeah, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel honest. It doesn't. And I just laughed because that feels like such an oddly specific thing. But then I remembered something. You driving a truck is very attractive and I don't know why. I cannot pinpoint it. Why? That's a weird thing. That's why I can't judge her. What if she found out it was boxes for her and it's the truck for me? Not anyone else. I don't give a shit. We've been in many trucks with many military people. Nope. It was you driving a truck. I don't know why. Maybe because it's vastly different than the Honda Coupe. <laughs> yeah. Honda Ford F-150. Totally different. Yeah. So I was like, I'll give her some grace. The truck thing's real weird. See, now you're giving energy to all those super truck fans. <laughs> giving them you're hope. Ga- you're like gassing this them is. up big time. <laughs> big time. I mean, I maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. No. No? Okay. No. But it's so, like, not you. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> That's why I'm like, why? This is weird. So Leon is probably more Prius than truck. Yes, yes. Dr. Pia asked, how do you define masculinity? Kristen says, getting the job done, just making sure he's taking care of business. Super vague. What does that mean? Taking care of business. I said, he works a lot. Getting the job done. What's the job? Moving the boxes. Who knows? What's in the box? (laughs) Yeah, that was very strange. And I am not, I am not a fan of how often Shaq is compared to Kirsten's dad. It's weird. I totally, if someone, if you came up to me and said. Oh, my mom used to do that, but you don't do that. So I'm not attracted to you. Yeah. Like you need to be more like my mom. I would be like, wow, we are done. Like that is so (laughs) unattractive. Like I'll never come back from, from that. Dr. Pia asks a very key question. Is he, meaning Shaq, masculine? 
baby, that pause. No. It, that, it took a long time to answer. She fumbled this one. She was all right on the word vomit on the other ones. It was, uh, uh, he is. He is. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He is. I added it, that in com- it was it was it was computing. The analysis was going. The mouse was just moving. The math it wasn't was... mathing and then it was no. like error. But he is. Restart program and we're back. Kirsten continues. I guess because my dad is very hands on. He's a tough man. He's a provider. He's a business owner. Dr. Pia continues to push a little. She brings up that Kirsten added emphasis to the word tough. Do you feel like Shaq is tough? Kirsten says, I feel like he can be. I haven't gotten to see that tough side yet. Dr. Pia asks, what side have you seen? And she said, the kind, genuine, pleasing side of him. Dr. Pia asks, can that be masculine? And Kirsten responds with, um... I think that helps me feel secure and comfortable versus safe and protected. So in my mind right there, that like obviously overtakes feeling comfortable and secure. Like she wants to feel safe and protected. But did you read it like Shaq read it as in, do I need to, do we need to get like robbed and I defend us? I did take it that way. Okay. Even though on the after party, which we never fully watched, but we caught just the beginning where Chris didn't take it that way. And he did bring up a good, a good point of, she didn't say that, mm-hmm. but I mean, that's what I insinuated. But a lot of the time I can see myself insinuating a lot with Kirsten. To be fair in the way she answers. See, that's what I mean. Now you're, you're leaving this up to interpretation. Like that's mm-hmm. not good. No. And you could have three people come to three different conclusions by the way you said this. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's, the point. That's not going to help your marriage. (laughs) No. Kirsten continues on and says, I feel like he would protect me if something were to happen. I just haven't seen him in that form before, and I don't fully feel it just yet. And this is where she's glistening. She (laughs) That quote right there does make you think, yeah, she wants to be protected and something needs to happen for her to see that action. To prove it to her. Right. Now, Shaq talks for the first time here. He kind of let Kirsten just go off. He asks, do you not think I'm tough? Does something have to happen for you to even feel that? Does someone need to rob us at a gas station for me to stand up or your food not be right at a restaurant for me to get mad? That would totally turn her on, by the way. Like a guy demanding that they remake her meal the way she wants it. Oh my God, I'd be so embarrassed. Really? I'm so, I cannot handle conflict. Interesting. Even though I cause the conflict sometimes. Oh, you know me, if my order's fucked up, I like accept it. Oh, same. Like I, I can't, I can't give it back. No. I, I think your brother's the same way actually. Oh, we all are. Yep. Yeah. We're just, we're having a good night out. This is not going to right. mess up the energy at all. Shaq continues. I'm not the person to get mad and frustrated. But I think she wants to mimic her dad in the ways of being masculine and dominant. Zing, that right there. Exactly. On the money. Kirsten says, not necessarily like my dad, but maybe have some of those traits. That's a lie. Because the multiple times last episode, you're basically saying you need to be like my dad. 
We're not talking about traits. We're talking, my dad this did this, so why can't you? My dad did this, so that's my expectation of you. Yeah, I'm just, I just don't like the constant comparisons. No, it's really unattractive. I can't imagine you saying something like that to me and how off-putting it would be. Also, I mean, I kind of question their relationship because she hasn't introduced them. There doesn't seem to be a lot of communication. He didn't go to the wedding. Like, are they not as close as she's trying to portray because she can kind of use it against Shaq right now? Is that reaching? Maybe it is. There is this thought of, okay, so her parents divorced Mm -hmm. and that impacted her a lot. It's sort of towing these lines where, okay, kind of like Eris where he lost his father. So he's kind of, he always feels like he's been missing a thing. Mm -hmm. So in Kirsten's situation, they were divorced. So she spends more time with her mom, but now in some ways she could be thinking I'm missing that part of my life. You know, I don't get to spend as much time with my dad, Mm -hmm. but now I'm growing up. I sort of idolize him because he's a provider. So every man should be like that. But the relationship ended in divorce. That's what, that's what I don't get because, and Kirsten talks about how that impacted her a lot. Or how she wished they could stay together. Yeah, she always wanted them to have, you know, the happily ever after. And in some ways you can read that as this man, your father, couldn't make it work with your mom. Whatever Mm. differences they had, they just couldn't make it work. And they eventually got divorced. But it's just in the way you're, you're comparing Shaq to your father. It's just like something doesn't add up to me there. That's what it is. And... I mean, just because you get divorced, that doesn't make you like a bad parent or like a bad husband, but you're putting him on such a high pedestal. Like, is it romanticizing it? I guess what I mean is when you go through those emotions and I'm sort of speaking a little, I'm not the best voice for this because my parents aren't divorced, Mm -hmm. but I would imagine your parents get divorced. You must go through a lot of emotions. I am guessing one of those might be hate towards your parents Mm -hmm. of like, why did you, you know, why did you both split up? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that, and this, you know, obviously you grow up and you get over it, but you've gone through those emotions and maybe that makes you closer, like in some way. Yeah, deal, maybe. Getting over that. Yeah, maybe their relationship has grown in the end. Like it was super hard at the beginning. She grew up, forgave him, or, you know, maybe there's nothing to forgive and it just didn't work out. I guess, I think what we imagine this, this, a situation like this would be. Two parents together forever, 40 years. That's the you dream. Know, provider. But then you're like, oh, that's the person I'm comparing my husband to. Like, mm-hmm. I guess in your mind, you're like, well, that would have been the situation. But yeah, it's just that something isn't adding up. And also the fact that it still bugs me a little bit that her dad didn't show up to the wedding. I know. Because something about that just doesn't feel right. I agree. And not meeting the husband. And the reason wasn't because he didn't agree with it. That was never given. That was never said that he's just like keeping it at arm's length because he thinks it's wrong. So I don't know. In the end, Dr. Pia asks, if these things don't change, will this marriage succeed? Kirsten says, well, I don't want him to be something he's not. That wasn't the question. So... I don't really know what to take from that, but okay. That's Kirsten saying it's a no for me, dog. Yep. So I don't even know if Shaq and Kirsten got any sort of package of items. 
they had like random items throughout the apartment, their intimacy items. But like, we didn't see them get a basket or a big treasure chest or anything. They were just like, here's a couple things. Do the activity. Honestly, I could see that was just cut. Maybe. Or maybe just the way they opened it or the film crew wasn't there. Something like we just didn't catch that. Or it wasn't worth showing. We don't have the budget. We allocated it all to Chris and Nicole. So at first, I was kind of dogging on Shaq a little bit in this scene. I was like, why is he trying to play around? We are here to build intimacy and connection. I'm not here for your little follow my voice thing. But then I got it. So it's about trusting your partner, letting go of the control, listening to them. How did they not do a trust fall? Oh, no, that cannot happen. I couldn't even do that. And it's not because I don't trust you. Is I think you're going to like look away for a second. <laughs> I don't know. I've had some knee surgery, so it might not be like... Yeah, we don't need weird angles, things right. falling on you. So she has to follow his clues and his voice to various intimacy items. First up is a bondage rope. And he kind of ties her up. He like puts it around her. And then he asks, do you have control? And says, you need to let me take control sometimes. We follow a few of these things, but does Shaq not have to do any anything? I just think so much gets cut. He must have done something. I would hope so. Because it can't all be on her. Like, even though I give her a lot of crap, like, he does need to work on himself. And I think the communication isn't that great. So they could have done something with that. And he's still, like, talking at her. So maybe he could also... I don't know, have some type of an intimacy exercise that could address, I guess, communication overall for both of them. They're in bed talking after the intimacy exercise, and they bring up communication and how it needs to improve. Shaq doesn't beat around the bush at this point. He just admits he wanted her in Memphis with him. He was packing his clothes. He was getting ready to go. And in that moment, she decided she wasn't going to go anymore. Wait a damn minute. Absolutely not. No, I understand that tone and that reaction on that phone call now. So they had planned to go to Memphis together. It was on the calendar. You're coming with me. You're joining me. We're going. Yes. This man's packing his bag and you say, oh, you know, wait a minute. I have some stuff planned. I'm not going to be. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to go. What? Isn't that crazy in this day and age? Like. It's literally on our calendar. What, what are you talking about? And those plans didn't exist at the time of booking this Memphis trip. That's so, so disrespectful. He must have driven, right? I hope so. I hope he didn't lose out on Kirsten's ticket, spent that money on it. So I hope. Yes, yeah, weird. This is just weird. It's not good. It's not good. for. Obviously, their communication isn't good. Yeah, and the energy is really bad because he's easily replaceable in terms of plans that were already set. It's not a good look. It's a real bad look. It's the complete opposite of what you're saying when you're on camera, girl. The perfect troll is, I'm going to go hang out with my dad. Oh, that would have been good. I would have applauded that one. (laughs) Full circle. Yeah, it's a no for me. Another kind of dagger in this is he didn't even know what the plans, like when they were taking place, when they were planned, just nothing. Just she had stuff to do all of a sudden. Kirsten's response was, it didn't really sound like you wanted me there. But why not have the conversation? And if, and why wait till you're packing? Well, he's packing. You're just hanging out. 
I mean, if you got those vibes a couple days ago, why not just say something? Could you imagine that scene? Kirsten's kind of hanging out, playing on her phone, whatever she's doing, but she sort of knows she has to tell Shaq, like, soon. Wait until the last minute. And then think of her on that call. Oh, that was weird. Gross. Super gross that you can do that to someone's face. Like, you just were one type of way to this person. Camera comes over and then, hi, honey, I miss you so much. I wish I could be there with you. No, you don't. You had the opportunity. We planned for you to be there and you chose not to. I would not be able to keep my mouth shut if I was Shaq. Like, I'm not playing this game. They kind of make up in bed. They have a nice conversation. And you know what would have been perfect here? Kirsten kissing Shaq. Oh, okay. It would have been a nice end to this argument. Like a little cheek kiss, forehead no, kiss. No, like a full lip, kiss. Lip yeah. Kiss. Oh. A nice, we'll work on it, kiss. Do you think Kirsten's just not, not comfortable with cameras? She was super comfortable with her friends. You're talking right. about no, D-size, right. talking you're about right. doing right. it all over the resort. The camera cuts to an interview with Shaq where he says that he's grateful and overjoyed in the marriage, but that he's not happy. That doesn't make sense either because if I'm overjoyed, I would imagine I'm also happy. Yes, in the marriage, not with being married. Like just the thought of being married, the idea of being married, it does involve the other person. And it's okay to say you're not happy. Then we split up for boys' time and girls' time. The guys are going to go do hitting practice at the baseball field while the girls go to a cocktail class. The cocktail class looked dope. I know. I want to do that. That or a cooking class. Chris and Nicole both bring up what she needs to work on, her self-worth, and the personal work that she wants to do. We move on to Shaq, and he says that they're doing good. They're at like a seven or an eight. What? Your girl ditching you seven, is not seven, eight. Seven, eight is you're doing pretty good. And they're not. <laughs> but they did start kissing before bed. There's a little, little peck. Good night. So, I mean, I'll take it. I'll take any movement from anyone. It's, it's something. Eris says, since this is a baseball field, what base would you say you're on? Shaq says that he is on second base trying to get to third. Absolutely not. Uh, I, I get you. But in the preview, they, they keep previewing them saying we consummated the marriage. So something's going to happen. Maybe that was the first time up at bat after painting. Hmm. Oh, okay. Then he got a little double. He hit, got to second base. That's where we're at now. The third base coach is waving him over, but the pitcher is staring at him with the ball. Oh, I see. He's holding him at second. Yes. Holding him at second. About to throw him out, and that's Kirsten. No, the pitcher is Kirsten's dad. Oh, you're right. That's a deep cut. (laughs) Deep cut. Oh, my God. We cut to Kirsten, who says that they're working on it, meaning their intimacy, and that she definitely wants Shaq to take the lead. The girls are good. They call her out immediately. They ask, are you not going to turn him down? Kirsten just laughs and smiles. I took this the wrong way. Oh, did you? I thought the way she was smirking was, I'm turning his ass down. Yeah. Yeah, that's the correct way. That is the correct way. There's no other way this can be interpreted. I refuse to accept anything else. I think. I what think, did you think I the think second option was? No, that that they're all correct and she's not going to turn him down. 
I think she is. That's why she's laughing. No, she, yeah, because she couldn't say that she is not going to turn him down. She can't say that's correct. I assume from the preview I'm wrong and I'm reading it incorrectly. We will find out. Well, what if they consummated the marriage on paint night and then we're quickly stepping that back? Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, I'm We're just revealing it to the friends at that time. Uh, He just asked you what base you're on and you... I think that's the opportunity to say, like, I've hit a home run but at least at least once. Maybe he doesn't want to admit that he's maybe, about yeah. to get thrown out at second, yeah. though. Yeah, he's a he's a prideful man. True. Clint says they're not even in the dugout, not even in the stadium, maybe not even waiting for their tickets in line. That's a perfect representation of the state of the relationship. Yeah. And Eris agrees. He's at the same spot. But that's Eris's choice. <laughs> no, I couldn't agree more. Those relationships are doomed. Shaq and Kirsten are a, eh, but I'm not buying it. I've seen you, Kirsten. I, it's a no for me. I mean, honestly, we have one couple that is going to be the saving grace of this season. Clint says that he's a sexual dude. It's how he connects on another level. He's keeping his mind open and without a predetermined outcome. We cut to Gina, who says, at the end of the day, we're not quitters. And I don't think that's valid enough reason to be there. You need to know, I said it before, when to quit. When to, you need to know when to fold them. When to hold them. Ma'am, if you are not trying, you have already quit. Yes, why don't you equate that to quitting? That's worse. You're not even trying. Jasmine opens up about how Eris will say what he needs to say, but not put any action behind it. She's also learning about how she brushes everything under the rug and then starts tearing up and says that she thinks she's at her breaking point, which is so sad to see. She was ready to be a wife. Like, she was open, she was here, she was vulnerable. 100%. And she would have had a great relationship if she was with someone that was equally as ready to be married. It's wild because the consensus is Jasmine is a very attractive person. Yes. Like, a good person, attractive She's great. I don't know Eris' history. I don't know his past relationships. I guess he's looking for someone that looks like a... Meg the Stallion. A world-renowned artist. Like, good luck. Yeah, is that world-renowned artist looking for Eris? I don't know. On the next time on, we see line dancing with all the couples. We finally get the confirmation that Shaq and Kirsten have consummated the marriage. And I hope they touch on timeline. We'll see. We see Devon Franklin talking to the couples and the L word from Chris. We see a very kind of odd, far away shot of Shaq and Kirsten talking. I don't know why we're so far away. I feel like we're like on the show Cheaters and we're like spying on them. I don't know what's happening. About to run up on them. Yeah. And we hear Shaq say that he needs her support. It's no longer a want. It's what he needs. Do you think this situation is another work trip? Probably. But why are they outside and why are we so far away? I don't know. Just just initially, my reading was it was like another work trip. Yeah, I would basically think saying so. like it's not an option. Like I need you to come with me. Yeah, but which is a weird thing to do as yeah, well. Yeah, and then I don't see Shaq really doing that. I do feel like a work trip is a want, not a need. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like a big career presentation. Maybe I don't know. And then we see Eris dancing with the instructor and not dancing with Jasmine. So I'm ready to be mad. 
it's weird. Eris, in some some ways, he tries to call out his faults, but then certain things he says or his actions, it's almost like, do you really care? Like, do you do you hear yourself? I don't think so, because there's no action. There's no really working on himself. But even something like dancing with the instructor, like you guys aren't in a good place. I know. Like, that's such a dumb move on his part. Why would you do that? Anything else? No, pretty good episode. It was. I had fun with it. The intimacy week is always good. Kind of gets people out of their shells or we can, like we said, see them, you know, solidified in their decision day. No. (laughs) Are they going to do a couples retreat? They better. That's always good. But I think it's going to be kind of lame because, you know, all the other seasons, people are actually friends and like hang out. None of these people feel like they're well, they even friends. Even the gals mentioned, oh, I haven't seen you since our one a month thing. I'm like, that was two weeks ago. Isn't there even a group chat this year? (laughs) Maybe not. Who knows? Thank you all for listening. I hope you have a good weekend. Take care of yourself. Do something fun. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care, y'all. Bye.